Okay, it's time to commit. 2024 is the year for prioritizing yourself. Begin your new smile journey with Byte, and you could start seeing results in just two to three weeks. Just order your at-home impression kit today for only $14.95 at Byte.com. Byte Clear Aligners are doctor-directed and delivered to your door. Treatment costs thousands less than braces. Plus, they offer financing options, accept eligible insurance, and you can pay with your HSA, FSA. Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot com. Start your confidence journey today with Byte. Tuesday, everybody. Welcome to another episode of Sharp Lessons, Stadium's sports betting podcast. I'm Ben Winston. We've got Michael Rizzo. We've got the professor, Nate Jacobson, with us after a long weekend of uh, a bunch of sports. We have a lot to talk about with the NBA, NHL. We've got more golf to talk about as well. Uh, and then our best bets, of course, at the end of the episode. But before we started talking NBA, we wanted to talk the cover of the week as we do every Tuesday. And Nate, you had an incredible cover of the week. Yeah, yesterday's game in the Euro 2020 in Copenhagen, round of 16. I had Croatia plus one against Spain. You might look at the final score of the game after it was done and it was Spain 5-3 an extra time. However, Croatia plus one was a winner because that bet plus one in all soccer bets, other than if, unless it indicates to advance or maybe some other language, is just in the 90 minutes of regular time. And Croatia scored an equalizer in stoppage time of the second half to get the win. They were actually down three to one at one point after giving up three unanswered goals. So it looked like a loser. And then they score with 10 minutes left about, maybe at 82nd, 83rd minute to get the push, it looked like, on the plus one bet on the Asian handicap. And then they score this out-of-nowhere winner, which was pretty crazy because Spain is usually a very organized defensive team. So the fact they gave up two late goals to Croatia when it looked like for sure they were going to easily advance when they took that 3-1 lead was definitely the cover of the week for me. It was a bet that even when I was watching the bet and Croatia scored on an own goal in the 20th minute on one of the most embarrassing own goals I've ever seen at <laughs> at a professional level or an international level, international tournament, uh, I never felt good about the bet because of how Spain was attacking and Croatia has a very old defense and Sure enough, Spain does get three goals, kind of like I felt like they would before, like when I was watching the game. And then Croatia makes that comeback to cover the plus one. So it was a bet that I probably should have lost, and I definitely should have pushed, and it ended up winning for me. And then Croatia gives up two goals in stoppage time because their defense is so bad. Yeah, Nate, that's uh... – for, for someone who doesn't watch a ton of soccer like myself, I felt like the two games yesterday were two of the more exciting soccer games I've ever seen. Do you do you recall a day in previous Euros where we've had two games with with uh, that tied into extra time? We had that Croatia, as you mentioned, scoring two goals in the final however long. And then we have France and Switzerland going to PKs. So that was for a non-soccer fan. I was I was enthralled. Yeah, and especially since uh, Switzerland's France was pretty similar to how Croatia-Spain played out, where the underdog takes an early one nothing lead in the first half, 
Then the favorite scores three goals. It looks like for sure they're going to win. It's going to set up this amazing clash. Uh, Spain versus France on Friday night in Europe, Friday afternoon here. Just a great, would have been a great Friday because those are two of the better teams in the world. And France goes up 3-1 on that amazing Pogba goal. It looks like they're going to easily cruise. And then Switzerland scores two goals out of nowhere because of defensive breakdowns by France. So truly insane that two favorites, heavy favorites on the three-way money line, had 3-1 leads, looked like they were going to easily win and ba- uh, so, you know win for their backers who, who laid a pretty big price on them to win in regular time. And they both blow two goal leads very late. And Spain gets it done in extra time. France, it looked like they were truly shocked at what Switzerland did. Um, and they lose in penalty kicks. Mbappe, who's regarded as one of the best players in the world, probably has the highest transfer value in the world if he was ever to get uh, hit the open market and be transferred out by his club PSG. Misses the penalty kick after both teams combined for nine straight penalty, uh, the converted nine straight penalties. So, uh, I mean, that was a shocking miss by Mbappe to have his penalty save, but I think it was just more shocking that France was even in that position and the and the team looked like they they were pretty stunned. And good for Switzerland, a team that always loses in the round of 16 of every major tournament, and they beat their uh, their neighbors in Europe. They uh, border France, so this is clearly the biggest uh, win in their country's history. Yeah, how often do we see a team go five for five in PKs like Switzerland? I mean, I know as a goalie, you're at a disadvantage, but usually you see a player pull one or just happen to miss from the nerves and Switzerland was nails. Yeah, you know, it's it's hard to say, especially because we only see penalty kicks in these major tournaments. And then sometimes in some of the like the Champions League or like the Europa League final this year, I think there was 19 straight made penalties before. Uh, the goalie missed one. So I, I think if you're a soccer player at that level, you're really supposed to score. Uh, you're been, you practice penalties enough, especially in these tournaments where there's probably uh, at the end of tra- their training session, there's emphasis on, okay, we might get to penalties. Let's see who we're going to pick in the lineup to take our, take our first five penalties at least. So uh, it, I don't think it's too uncommon that they're, they're that good. Uh, but th- Maybe in like a situation like that where the stakes are so high, they face some pressure and and falter. And I mean, it was a, I thought it was a decent penalty by Mbappe, which is a very good save by the Swiss goalkeeper. Um, so the Euros have been great. And I think a lot of people are big takeaway is that people are learning how to bet soccer and maybe how hard it is and how frustrating it is. Uh, but definitely read your uh, know what you're betting, especially in this knockout stage. Know that most bets only count towards the 90 minutes, the regular time, and there's a separate uh, market, separate odds for the two advance, which is just to get through, either win in 90 minutes, win in extra time, or win on penalties. So definitely, uh, I think this Euro and and the popularity of sports betting in America has really kind of tied in, and people are learning um, how to bet soccer, which is such a popular bet sport all around the world, in Europe and in Asia. And we also got that incredible meme of the guy who was just in anguish and then they scored and his shirt's yeah. off and he's screaming everywhere. That was probably yeah. my favorite part. Yeah, the fans are the fans are great. And it's always it's always been fun this tournament to watch games at stadiums that are are at least half full and you really get the fans. Yeah. I mean, Croatia, Spain, you had a really big Croatian contingent with their their checkered flag jerseys. And that was cool to watch. And 
probably gave Croatia a little bit of boost um, in in that match. So kind of know some of the some of the travel arrangements and uh, which fans might travel well for the rest of the tournament going forward as we wrap up the round of 16 today. And we'll have a preview on Thursday of the quarterfinals where there's two on Friday and two on Saturday and the next week, the semifinals and the next Sunday, the final at Wembley in England. Yeah, a lot more Euro talk coming on the pod on Thursday. But for now, let's go to the NBA because we still have a couple games in uh, two series going on for the rest of the week. Uh, there's a game tonight, game four tonight for the Bucks and the Hawks with the Bucks taking game three. And obviously the biggest question in this game right now is the health of Trey Young. We're not really sure at this point uh, if he's even going to play and if he is, how much he's going to play and how much that injury is going to affect him. Right now that line is at Bucks minus seven with the total at 218 and a half. Um, it opened up at Bucks minus five, so it's creeped up a bit with money going towards Milwaukee. Uh, I think at this point, my only suggestion to people betting this game would be just wait for the Trey Young news. Um, and I usually don't love doing that with NBA games because the lines can change so drastically so quickly. But in a situation like this, it's such a big game with such a big figure with an unknown like that. Just wait to see if we can get more news on Trey Young because that's going to drastically change the way this game is played, depending if he's in or if he's out or if he's not 100%. Yeah, and we've seen a very big move in the total, which on I think the line opened Sunday night when we kind of knew Trey Young was hampered by an injury, uh, especially in the fourth quarter as the Bucks rallied after. I mean, the Hawks kind of felt like they had him most of the game, and then the Chris Middleton absolutely fantastic in the fourth quarter making every big shot uh the total opened at 222 and a half it's down to 218 and a half which is a big difference because the game three total was 224 so we've seen a big adjustment in the total um i kind of like what you're saying ben about waiting for the trey young news and if he plays or not however it's a playoff game it's a must win they're down to one they're at home i think he gives it a shot and if he does, if he's if he's uh, ruled active and he's we see that he's starting, I think this line would tick down a little bit. So if you like Milwaukee, I would wait. I'm not trying to play doctor and, and try to diagnose the bone bruise in his foot, but I'd imagine Haley's gives it a go. He might not be 100%, though. I'm actually doubtful that he's 100% and he could be limited. So, But just him being active, I think, will drop the line a little bit down, maybe to get a... Uh, maybe a Milwaukee minus six you can get before tip if we have a Trey Young who's active, and, and that would interest me. And if he's inactive, I mean, I think this could go out to eight and a half, nine, um, and and then maybe that's too much of an adjustment. And I don't know, because the the Hawks also, Bondanovich is, is definitely was go, hurt going into the series, and he struggled greatly on Sunday night. So it, it could re- get really ugly for the Hawks if they don't have Trey Young just because he's such a good playmaker for the other other shooters on the team, and I don't think we trust guys like uh, like Lou Williams when it, when it counts in the no. playoffs. So um, I, I'd imagine Young though would try to give it a give it a shot, and if if so, then the Bucks at a at maybe minus six would be the way I look in this game. Yeah, I think that um, if you guys remember, I believe two pods ago, I was pretty adamant that I was done fading the Hawks because they've burned me multiple times. I would like to redact that statement and change it to, to, I was done fading Trey Young because a hampered Trey Young, an out Trey Young, just 
any form of Trey Young that isn't 100% is really unfortunately going to hurt this Hawks team. And um, I have to agree with Nate that I I think he gives it a go, but I do not think he will be 100%. He didn't even sound like, you know, he said he's going to get as much treatment as he possibly can before the game. And, you know, he's a gamer. He's going to give it a go. And this might be, you know, his game where we're like, okay, you know, this, as many people have already said, he is legit, but this could be one where we're like, all right, this dude is a superstar and he could prove us all wrong. But I think that you got to look for the bucks here. It just makes too much sense. The Hawks without, you know, their, their Kickstarter, Trey Young starts the party and he, he's probably not going to be able to uh, play to his full abilities. So I, I may be back on the bucks wagon fading the Hawks in a sense, which might be good news for Hawks backers because I don't think I've gotten a game right with them yet this this playoffs. Yeah, the couple things I would suggest for this type of game, especially if Trey Young's not going to be 100%, is I was looking at the team totals for the Hawks. And right now it's at 105.5 for the total points, which seems a little bit high even if Trey Young plays but is in 100% because they haven't hit 105 in the last two games. Um, and they have, they went severely under in game three with 91 or excuse me, game two with 91 and they were three points under in game three. So that might be something to hit if you're looking for a team total under, if you just don't think this is going to be a super high scoring game for something like that. And then maybe hit a player prop of a Hawks player who is a secondary scorer or someone you think could step up in Trey Young's absence. Um, even like a Clint Capella type of player, Kevin Herter maybe hits his three point props or, or something like that. Um, because if Trey is not 100%, if he's not going to be taking the bulk of the action, if he's going to be diverting the the shots to other players, you might want to look at a secondary option for the Hawks because that might be the type of game where they feel like they're going to have to go off or going to have to take a higher volume of shots to try to replace Trey Young. Yeah, I'm just quickly looking at props. And they, they have a Trey Young prop up right now as we record on a, a Tuesday morning, but they don't have players like Kevin Herter, Bandanovich, uh they don't have Gallinari. So it's all the bigs like Collins and Capella um, in terms of points, just because, um, you know, depending on young status, he doesn't impact their their usage as much as some of those wing players. So uh, it might take a while for some of those props to come in. But just like any NBA game, whether it's regular season or unfortunately this playoffs with all the injury, you got to follow the news and 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 make your bets based on based on what's what's available there, um, because the sports books know that uh, they don't want to get buried on a prop based on any any leak on a on an injury status before they're able to um, adjust numbers. So they might as well just wait and see. Uh, they'll get plenty of action when when we know what happens with Trey Young um, before tip. So uh, yeah, definitely kind of I like the idea of attacking props in a game where there's a there's a big injury question mark. All right, so the game tomorrow for the Clippers and the Suns. A lot of people thought the series would be over last night, and it did not happen. The Suns uh, looked putrid, and as someone who bet on them, I was very disappointed in the way that the Phoenix Suns played. I was uh, yelling at my TV because they they just looked horrible, and the Clippers looked really good. Paul George looked great, um, and, and the Suns really, you know, only for like two minutes or so of the game, it looked like they were going to make it a game. Um, but other than that, it seemed like the Clippers were in full control um, in Game 5. And so we're going on to a Game 6 with the Suns leading 3-2. to two. Uh, it's a pick 'em in, in a lot of sports books. It's it's a pick 'em for this game six. Two fifteen is the total. 
it's uh this is tough because I was I've been high on the Suns. I've loved the Suns in this series and they have let me down a couple of times and frankly they've looked horrible the last two games. Um game 5 they looked obviously bad and and game 4 where they won they still barely scored over 80 points. So I'm a little bit worried about them and, and the Clippers at this point they have nothing to lose. They have no Kawhi. They're really not expected to do much. They haven't been expected to get to the finals without Kawhi. And that is a tough team to beat if you're playing a team that has nothing to lose. Uh, so I would love to know which way you guys are leaning for a game like this or if you're waiting for the line to move a little bit more away from a pick But right now, Vegas loves the fact that both these teams look pretty even right now. Yeah, the Suns last night, they closed minus seven. A lot of the day it was minus five and a half, minus six. We got a minus seven right before tip. And it was definitely inflated a few points, but it was also situational where the the Clippers lose that heartbreaker on Saturday night at home, go down 3-1, have to go back on the road. You kind of could see in the past we've seen teams sort of mailed in where they just maybe know that they're not going to come back. But at least the Clippers have have at least a pedigree coach, and Paul George has a lot to prove um, just based on his reputation. So they didn't go down easily, and they ended up winning big. Uh, so I think right now as the as the line looks like it's a pick em on Wednesday morning, still very early. Wouldn't be surprised if uh, one of those teams got out to becoming a, a one-point favorite as long as there's no injury. But I think the line, at least the spread, is right for this game. Uh, what interests me in this series just in general is the total, where yesterday we got an over. Um, <laughs> even though the uh, the first the games in L.A., games three and four, were very low scoring, especially on Saturday night when Ugh, the uh, yeah, a real rock fight. There was 29 combined points in the fourth quarter. The teams combined for 164 points, and the total closed 217. Uh, and the game before, it also went under, and the total closed 221. So we saw from games three to game five, based on the closing total, we saw a seven-and-a-half-point adjustment. And yesterday's game went over by four-and-a-half points. So they went too far uh, in, in the adjustment. And I, I'm not surprised the game went over just because maybe the Clippers were playing a little loose, uh, knowing that they, like you said, kind of had nothing to lose. They're, they're going to, you know, chuck up threes. And, and positive shooting regression was due after how bad both teams yeah. shot from behind the arc Saturday. So now that it's 3-2, it's kind of a tighter series, tighter line series. I'm looking to go back at the under as it's ticked up a point and a half at 215. So the under is the way I would look as we see a game six. I know we talk about game sevens always being tight and looking to go under, but I think game six also has some credence and trying to go under because it is still a tight series three two the Clippers are at home it's a pick em game they know they can force a game seven and put a lot of pressure on Phoenix uh, later on in the series when we would go back to Phoenix for game seven which I believe would be on Friday so I could see this being a tight game just like the two games were in LA in terms of very low scoring very slow pace uh, teams really putting on more defensive lineups and I think last night was a little bit of an outlier based on the situation of the Clippers down 3-1 and really kind of just throwing anything they could. And it worked out, so I can see this game being a little bit tighter. And we're getting a little bit of an adjustment where the total's up from game five, even though it's it's down uh, where it's been all series. I mean, a week ago, we were talking game two, previewing that, and the total was 222.5. So it's still gone down quite a bit, but usually in a series, as the series goes on, the total goes down, especially if we see some really low scoring games like we did in game three and especially game four. Yeah, I think that uh, 
This is one. I mean, this Clippers team, they're a tough out. They uh, they go down 2-0 in their previous two series, and we've seen them battle back in both of those. And now down 3-1, you know, they almost won game four. That was a, a real tough loss. That, that campaign call was questionable, to say the least. But uh, they, they come back, and they win game five. They make it 3-2, and now they're going home with a chance to force a game seven. I think you got to... Uh, you got to like what you've seen with them and uh, hope that they stay hot. Hope that Paul George keeps doing his thing. You know, Reggie Jackson's been pretty great. Uh, so I think that I am going to be looking to back the Clippers here. I'm not ready to say the officials are on the Clippers side just yet, but can Devin Booker please get a whistle for the love of God? He was getting nothing and Paul George was getting all the whistles. It was that was infuriating to watch. Uh, let's go to NHL. We got Stanley Cup going on. Game one, Stanley Cup Lightning absolutely dominate. Five to one win over the Canadians. Uh, game two is tomorrow. Uh, the series price is heavily reflecting that Tampa Bay win. Minus 560 for the Lightning to win the Stanley Cup right now. Um, game two, they're heavily favored on the money line and minus 215. And from everything we've seen this postseason, from what we saw from game one, I mean, it really looks like this is the Lightning series to lose at this point. They just look so good and so ready to win another Stanley Cup. It is, but we've seen Montreal with their backs against the wall uh, a lot in the in this uh, series. And uh, you look back down 3-1 to Toronto in Toronto for game five. They win that game and then they win the next two, including uh, game seven in Toronto and last last series against Vegas, who was heavily favored. I believe after Vegas beat them in game one, they were like a minus 1000 minus 1100 favorite, which is much more than what we're seeing right now. Tampa Bay at minus 560. So I, I think that, uh, you can't count out Montreal. We've seen many times in a playoff series in hockey where there's kind of a zigzag, you win game one, uh, then you, and you lose game two and, uh, maybe Tampa Bay is just at a, a different class than Montreal, which is very possible, especially because we didn't expect Montreal to be in this situation. But maybe Carey Price has a bounce back game and, and it puts pressure on Tampa. And if you're getting plus 180 on the money line, that, that's a, a tempting price on Montreal in a, in a game they know they, they need to have before going back home. And when they do get back home for the limited crowd they have, it's going to be a raucous building at the Bell Center. So I wouldn't be looking to bet Tampa uh, and laying a big price or even Tampa Bay in regulation. I think Montreal, uh, after a bad game on, on Monday, um, they can bounce back on Wednesday, especially since they won in overtime and it was such a dramatic win to beat Vegas. Uh, not surprised to see a bit of a hangover, especially with all the travel they've had to do going back and forth from Vegas and then how having to go to Florida um, I think Wednesday could be a good spot to back the the underdog if you had to play the game. I probably won't, but it would be Montreal or pass with me just based on the odds. What about the total at five? It went over game one yeah. over five, but it took it took the Lightning scoring five of those goals to, right. to get the over. Uh, it's favored right now for game two. At, at what I'm seeing is a minus 120, minus 122 for the over five is is this another game where, where we'll see a lot of goals scored, do you think? Or are we going to see maybe the under since we saw a ton in game one? Well, well, the total under over five was minus 136. So it, it's actually less juice the over this game. I think uh, that's built in the fact that Montreal gave up five goals. You'd expect price to bounce back. You expect a very tight, tight, boring, maybe a little bit of a boring game where 2-1 ends up being the final. I just have a lot of trouble going 
under five in an NHL game because a lot of times the best you're going to do is a push and and you might be right where the under is is you know a good call but a team gets a couple power plays and and they score on the power play and then you're you're really uh in a tough position to try to cash that under so if it was five and a half at you know minus 120 then I would definitely look towards the under but in a series like that if you want to go five and a half on like an adjusted total it's probably going to be like minus 150 probably even more so uh, I, I would probably stay away from the total although I, I would wouldn't be surprised if, if the game plays like an under game just because last night was a little bit higher scoring for a, a typical Montreal game you have to really love stress really love stress if right you want to I mean the it's never it's truly never over. It could be 0-0 going into the third yeah. period. Maybe the teams quickly score goals, and, and maybe it gets out to, like, 2-1, to 3-1, to one, and then an empty netter, and at the best, you push. So you could be, like, maybe first period under God. would be the way to go. I I don't know if the first period under is, but I, I know I mentioned that as a possibility last week when we were talking about the under over-under of five in the Islanders-Lightning game, uh, game seven. Uh, maybe look for a first period under. Um, I can see Montreal playing very strong for 20 minutes and, and then who knows what's going to happen after. And especially in hockey where own goals um, are a possibility if you're trailing. So uh, definitely kind of look to see it. I'm, I'm looking. Yeah. So even the first period under is minus 152. So that's that's a, a tough ask, in my opinion, to, to lay such a big price in a, in a sport where um Goals are hard to come by, but they can happen really at any time. Uh, it's not like football where you kind of expect to know when the scoring is going to happen. We've got some golf this weekend, Nate. We've got the Rocket Mortgage Classic coming up. And yes. as as you are this podcast golf specialist, what should people be on the lookout for? What are you looking to do? And uh, what are some plays you're looking for? Yeah, so I won't have an article the next two weeks for golf just because it's weak fields, the Rocket Mortgage Classic, and then the John Deere Classic next week. But we'll definitely have an article and a big preview on the podcast for the Open Championship, which will be in two weeks as the fourth and last major of the year heads over to the, uh, the United Kingdom. Uh, Rocket Mortgage Classic in Detroit, Michigan. It's only been played at this course two other times. Started in 2019, where Nate Lashley won at minus 25 for the tournament. So uh, it's it's quite a birdie fest. A lot of low scores, and Lashley was a late add to the field. Where uh, I don't think he was even like on the betting board before the tournament began. And then Bryson DeChambeau, 23 under as the favorite last year. So. Based on the minus 25 and minus 23 winning scores, you're looking for players who could rack up a lot of birdies and and maybe get hot with a putter. And uh, Bryson, big favorite this week, plus 750. Um, just I did bet Rom at the U.S. Open, but that was also at a very tough course where I knew the scoring wasn't going to be very, very low. Uh, but at this course, a lot of players could win. You could have a Nate Lashley or you can have a Bryson DeChambeau. So... What I'm looking at is, is players a little bit down the board, although there are some intriguing names at the top. There's Patrick Reed, who had a very good ball striking week last week at the Travelers. Didn't putt well, but the Sunday final round will be on the 4th of July. So if you're into those American narratives, there's no one there better go. than Captain America, Patrick Reed, who is uh, taking yeah, the Ryder Cup hero, Ryder Cup hero, Patrick Reed. And then Webb Simpson also. I know that's Rizzo's boy. He hasn't very played well, 
recently, but the uh, Detroit Country Club is designed by the architect Dial Ross, who also designed the course where the Wyndham Championship is played. And Webb Simpson has a very course, good course history at the Wyndham Championship, such a good course history that he named one of his daughters Wyndham. So maybe oh. Webb Simpson finds some of that Donald <laughs> Ross design course magic. Uh, I, I did bet on a few players last week who were in the field, so I'm going to at least give them a look. I saw Charlie Hoffman withdrew this morning, but Neiman's in the course, Joaquin Neiman, 27-1, to and Emiliano Grillo at 40-1. to But those prices seem a little bit short, so... I'll just let you guys know who I definitely am betting, and I bet this morning. Uh, first, Sepp Straka, 75 to one, and then also a pair of 80 to one golfers, Harold Varner III and Kyle Stanley. And all these players have a lot in common because last week they had great ball striking weeks at the Travelers, and all these players have the ability to get hot with the putter. They don't really have good putters, but if they can get hot with the putter, they can make birdies and bunches, which is what you're looking for the course especially at these prices where Straka 75 to one and then Varner and uh, Stanley are at 80 to one. And, and Straka especially steps uh, stands out. He's an Austrian player. Uh, he finished tied for 10th last week, but he also has a little bit of good course history in his favor this week where he finished tied for 11th in 2019 and tied for eighth last year. So I think out of the three Straka would be my favorite. So not a real exciting golf card this week, but <laughs> I probably won't be watching much because I'll be away for the 4th of July weekend. But um, if if a player after after uh, round one, one of the favorites maybe struggles in terms of, of putting, but was pretty good with his off the tee play and some approach numbers, I look at uh, playing a few players um, in tournaments. So I'm going to save some money this week. Not just because I might not spend it because it's a it's a bad field, but also maybe on Saturday or going into Sunday, there'll be a player I can take way down the board who can maybe post a big number and uh, cash in on in some at a bigger numbers than they are pre-tournament. So I'll definitely look to bet someone else in tournament, but those are the three I'm going to stick with uh, pre-tournament. Maybe add a, a name or two. I'll definitely tweet it out at Nate Jacobson one um, probably sometime tomorrow on Wednesday, just to get as much information as possible. Nate, any thoughts on uh, my boy C Woo? I know he, when it comes to birdie fests, he's shown yeah. he can win in the past. And and he's won a Wyndham championship. I mentioned Webb Simpson and, and how uh, meaningful the Wyndham name means to him. And that's so Donald Ross course. So yeah, C Woo is a player who, who can win really any week. He could also withdraw after the second <laughs> round or after the first round after getting hurt. Uh, <laughs> or, I think or, I, bet him on, I bet on him at the Memorial, and I, I wrote in my article, like, he has the upside to win. He's won some big events. He's won a player's championship. He also has the ability to withdraw with an injury, a mysterious injury after the round one, and he w- ended up withdrawing, like, five holes into the second round just because he just didn't have it. And, and he comes back next week at the – at the uh, Palmetto or maybe it was the U S open his next start and, and did decently. And I think he did okay last, he definitely did well at the U S open. And uh, uh, the thing with C Woo, you kind of like him when he's at like 80 to one and now he's being priced like half of that. So maybe not as, as, as good just cause you're not getting as big of a number as you used to be able to get on him, uh, especially after a bunch of, uh, miss cuts or withdrawals or just in general bad form that we've seen from him in the past all right let's do best bets we've got plenty of games today and tomorrow 
as we give out some of our best plays. I don't uh, I don't have that full six game slate this week. I uh, I think I'm gonna pull it back a little bit, <laughs> be a little be a little bit more conservative with some of my picks uh, for this week. I only have two. Um, and I know we talked about Trey Young, and I guess this is contingent on Trey Young at least being cleared to play in the game tonight. Um, but I'm gonna go Hawks plus four for the first half. I don't know if they're going to win the game. I, I don't expect them to win the game, but I do expect them to put up at least a little bit more of a fight to start this game at home, down two to one. They do tend to be a better team when, you know, their backs are against the wall, so to speak, when they feel like they have to win a game. Um, and I think especially knowing that Trey Young's not 100 percent, they're at home for the final time before they go back to Milwaukee uh, for what could be a potential game that Milwaukee goes to the finals. I think they at least play hard in that first half. Um, maybe not even win, but I think they can keep it within four. So Hawks plus four first half. And then Rizzo, I might need you to back me up on this, but the White Sox money line tonight, they have uh, they have been disappointing. And I've been betting on them a couple times in this stretch where they've been disappointing and losing games and not scoring as many runs as we're used to. Um, and of course, they've had all the injuries to deal with. But right now they're a minus 120 against a just horrible Minnesota Twins team. White Sox are at home start of the series um i i just think there is pretty good value on a line that's minus 120 um with the white Sox, and i know the abreu injury news we could see if he's in and out of the lineup so as you said before we record you may want to wait till that white Sox lineup uh is released but minus 120 i think it's a pretty good line for the white Sox to uh to win tonight yeah i uh just a couple thoughts on that as you mentioned the, the boys are sputtering it, it happens that a lot of not great injuries you're starting to see him catch up with this offense a bit those those fill-in players that were hot for a week and a half you know it hasn't been lasting and it's gotten to the point where the outfield you know you've lost Eloy and Robert and Billy Hamilton was looking like a contributor and he went down and Adam Engel came back and was looking good and he's hurt again so they're really you know, kind of really stretching their depth a bit, and you're seeing it, and they struggled against the Mariners, and they split with the Pirates, and, you know, we got swept by the Astros, so it's it's a tough team to back right now, but uh, Nate knows, he follows my action, you, you're, you're hard-pressed to, to find a night where I do not bet the White Sox, so I will be with you. Uh, it will not be a best bet for me. I will also not be in attendance. So, uh, you know, that's, that's tough. That's, that's a tough one. Yeah. But I, I do think the Twins have been as bad and worse than the White Sox, even in this rough stretch. And they're bitten by the injury bug as well. Uh, the Sox should know how important this series is leading into the All-Star break. So I think it's a good idea. Um, rolling into mine. I, uh, I am taking the Bucks minus six and a half for best bet purposes. It's not officially locked in yet. I, I am going to wait and see on this Trey Young news, but minus six and a half is good for me on the best bet. Uh, I think that, as we've mentioned, a hampered Trey Young would be a, a, a terrible thing for the Atlanta Hawks, and I think that's what we're going to see. And the second one, I am taking the Clippers money line to, to force a game seven. Uh you know, I, I haven't ever really thought Ty Lue was that great of a coach, but the, the numbers speak for themselves, 10-2 and when facing elimination and been down 2-0 twice this playoffs, and Paul George is playing great. That team looks good. They've kind of gotten over that, that psychological hump of Kawhi Leonard being out. You know, there's always a little bit of grace period where it stars out that a team's figuring it out, and I think they have. And uh, I like the Clippers' money line tomorrow night to force a Game 7. 
And I'll stick with that Suns-Clippers game six on Wednesday night. I'm going to play the under 215 as my best bet. We've seen, uh, I've talked about it in the in the section where we talked about that game, but just the the dynamics of the totals in this game that we had such low scoring games at Staples Center and now we're back at Staples Center. But I like that last night after the total over adjusted too much, the game went over and it ticked up a little bit back. So perfect spot to go under, especially in a game where now the series is three, two. So I'd expect very tight defense, a lot less, a lot less whistles um, and maybe some struggling shooting where we see the, the pace just very slow and, and some players being maybe a little timid to take the shot at the end of the shot clock because they know there's just such a high pressure, high leverage game. So under 215, Suns Clippers on Wednesday night. Love it. And and uh, Rizzo, I do have to say congratulations. I think you won our bet off on Thursday with that Clippers money line over the Suns money line. So I I'm not gonna go against you in the rest of this series because <laughs> I I seem to love the Suns a little too much and they have. Let me down so many times. It is bad. It's been bad. That'll do it for this episode. We'll be back Thursday with more Euro stuff from Nate. I know we're excited to talk about weekend games for that. Um, And we'll have more Stanley Cup and more NBA. Maybe talking about some NBA finals as well. So we'll have a lot of fun on Thursday. But for now, good luck, everyone. Make sure Trey Young plays tonight if you're doing that game. And uh, we'll be back on Thursday. (laughs) 